it's time to get cozy and watch a Christmas movie. Cuddle up with a cutie and watch a Christmas movie. It's a podcast in a queer tree. Hello and welcome back to Podcast in a Queer Tree, a podcast where time means even less than it does in the rest of 2020. My name is Nicole. Hey, I'm Scott Marshall. I'm the co-host. <laughs> Welcome special guest. Would you like oh. to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Jordan Roberts. I'm Nicole's friend, which is maybe my only qualification to be on this show. But if you'd like another, I also occasionally do stand-up comedy in the Maritimes. Ooh. Yes. Uh, yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. But um, never great. as good well, as when Nicole and I are riffing on each other in Arona. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. The number of staff people in Arona or a superstore that we have left in the wake of Jordan and Nicole's comedy hour is innumerable. <laughs> Jordan and Nicole's reluctant comedy hour. <laughs> There's a podcast. Where you are the audience whether you like it or not. <laughs> You might laugh, you might cry, but you will ask yourself, who the fuck were those people when we leave the store? Comedy for people trapped in isolation. <laughs> um, so the movie that we are talking about today is called Timeless Christmas. And boy, is it a doozy. 2020 Hallmark movie. Charles Whitley travels from 1903 to 2020 where he meets Megan Turner and experiences a 21st century Christmas. That is pretty much what happens. I mean, that is, that is technically what happens. All right. Um, thanks everybody. <laughs> okay. See you later. <laughs> Great job. Thanks for being here, Jordan. That was fun. <laughs> um, so we will do our bingo cards. Jordan, you did not do a bingo card this time, correct? I did not, no. No problem. You can listen to the joy Scott and I derive from doing bingo cards. Scott only did his like five minutes ago, yes, so I'm, I'm the only one. Just did <laughs> I'm the only one who did one uh, while the movie was on. So I did not get uh, a bingo. Uh, some notable squares that I got was BC. This was filmed in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. Yep. A big deadline. Uh, the big deadline is obviously the like haunted Christmas clock. The Christmas but, moon. Yeah, the Christmas moon. But even if there hadn't been that element of it, anything with time travel is a deadline. It's a movie about a deadline, you know? Um, I also marked down weird transport because time travel. Very weird transport. <laughs> Very pleased that was on my card. Yes. <laughs> Scott, what about you? Uh, I also had the weird transport. Nice. Um, yeah, <laughs> excuse me. I had, oh man, I had tight 90 and this was the tightest of 90s. So it was 84 like, minutes. Exactly. Amazing. Well under 90. It's a very um, efficient movie. Yeah, it really was. They did not waste any time. The third act climactic fight between the two protagonists wrapped in a quick 60. <laughs> really, like they had no beats to that. It was like, here's something I omitted. I didn't like that but it made no, sense that you did it at the time. That was a no fair rough decision. edges. No rough yes. edges in this movie at all. Nothing to, you just slide right down like a water slide and you're done. Yeah. Yep. They have a Christmas moon to catch people. There's no time to fuck around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, what else did I have? Um, 
driven apart by a misunderstanding, which again, handled very quickly. Yep. Um, the moon is a lesbian and she does not wait around. Mm. <laughs> Much like me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm an impatient lesbian. <laughs> You may be a punctual buy. <laughs> Dolly. That's nice. I'm so glad I've had that influence on you, Jordan. Dolly, what did you think of the movie? That was Charlie. Oh, Get that was it Charlie. together. I'm so sorry, Charlie. <laughs> um, okay. Do you have any other notable bingo squares or should we dive in? No, not really yet. Like my bingo card had stuff like it had both the Duvernay test and the Bechtel test, and this movie was definitely not passing either of those. So. Sure didn't. Yeah. Sure didn't. Um, okay, well, the movie opens uh, in 1903 in Charles Whitley's house, and he has just purchased a very, very nice, I love a historic, cute clock. It's gorgeous. Um, it is a very nice clock. He has just bought his fiance Eliza a clock. And uh, there is a staff party happening in the kitchen that his butler Fredericks has invited him to. And Charles says, you always invite me and I never come. Um, Charles is too busy to attend Eliza's parents' Christmas party in Manhattan. Uh, Eliza says to him, you're always living in the future little foreshadowing there mm. didn't see that one coming huh mm -hmm. um and then he hides some blueprints and his diary in the floorboards in his office and as his, you do yeah as you do and yeah. his maid's name is rosie those are all the notes i took in the opening scene <laughs> okay so i'm i think i'm remembering this it actually opens in an auction at the auction, yes. Oh, that's... Where we also meet Charles Whitley's rival, yeah. who is another engineer and architect. And they're like, that, like that's why a grown man hid blueprints and his diary in oh, the floor okay. like a 12-year-old girl right. might do. He yep. owns his own mansion and lives alone, <laughs> but needs to hide his things in an unlocked cabinet or, or floorboard situation yeah. like um, lane kim and gilmore girls this. yes just like lane <laughs> exactly thank you for putting Pinkerton it in terms was we can next understand. To it. <laughs> but yeah isn't it weird he's like an engineer and he doesn't have a safe it's nice yeah he's, yeah he's rich like the other like immediate plot hole is that Charles Whitley is too hot for 1903. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like you meet his like rival counterpart who looks like a sentient bag of flour. <laughs> and Charles Whitley has like a Tom Cruise beard and yeah. is, is, is just, he's 2020 he attractive. Yeah, he is hot. Pretty. He's Which literally later, 20. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, it was it was just so beamingly out of place. Uh, yeah, a uh, sentient bag of flour. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, yeah, so then the, the auction. We really feel the tension between Harold Arthur and Hot Charles. Um, he goes back to the house, has this argument with Eliza. Eliza leaves. She's in a huff. If you need me, I'll be at my parents' house. 
And then evening oh, can calls. I, yeah. my, can I tell you something? My, my favorite thing about the fight between uh, Charles and Eliza in this scene mm. is that later in the movie, he described like their last conversation as a row. Like we, we had this fight as our, as our last conversation and her like, like final blow, I am saying this last thing and leaving the argument moment was when she said, you know, I'm just not in a hot cocoa mood. Because <laughs> Rosie comes out and offers them hot cocoa. Yeah. <laughs> and she says, I'm not in a hot cocoa mood. And that's the last thing she ever says to him. <laughs> And like, it's like later described as like this, like, oh my gosh, this fight we had that we came to blows. <laughs> I'm not in a hot Because a presumptuous maid offered her a hot beverage. <laughs> and she was like, mm, not with this jerk right now. Goes to her parents' house in Manhattan, never sees her fiance again. <laughs> I have been there, honey. <laughs> This was you really did you do you think you related to Eliza the most in this movie for that reason? Just like harshly ghosted from a guy who was met about her and she was in for the money. Yes, it feels applicable. I'm so sorry. Did you at least get hot cocoa out of the deal? It's bullshit. Um uh one main question I have is where does a 2020 person purchase a luxury quilted velvet custom embroidered robe? I need to know. Ugh, I need it. That so is a terrible. very specific Etsy. Yeah. yeah. I also saw, I got, I, I got lost in a little bit of an internet spiral about this movie. And the, <laughs> the main actor who, Scott, you might know his name, but I don't, <clears throat> but Hot Charles in real life. Pretty, pretty Boy Charlie. <clears throat> pretty Boy Charlie was either gifted or gifted to the director an exact replica of this robe but the instead of saying charles or whitley on the on the breast it said daddy <laughs> <laughs> and i was like that is the exact robe that i want i want this like luxurious velvet quilted embroidered robe that just says daddy on the pocket. Oh, I need to rewrite my right. Christmas wish list now. <laughs> no kidding. There's, mm, well, there's a baby, you know. There's oh. our first merch for the podcast. <laughs> I need the wholesaler that sells those robes. Wow. Um, so this film. Uh, they are on a and yet, just the sound effects for the clock when engaging in time travel a plus mm, yes Mwah. scott i don't know if you remember but in our preview episode um that was a lot of episodes ago but in our preview episode when we talk about the hallmark 2020 holiday oh your picks i remember yeah yeah well, this was one of my picks because picks. time travel time travel always hooks me. I'm obsessed. So then the Christmas clock, he turns the Christmas clock that he's purchased for Eliza and it makes him pass out. Which he blames on the sherry. 
Of course, it was the sherry. <laughs> Rosie must be trying to poison him. Um, and then we go to the present. The present scene. Uh, we meet Megan. Is that her name? Megan. It is. Yes. We meet Megan, who is. We find out later <clears throat> uh, has a PhD. LOL. Every female protagonist in a Hallmark movie movie working a like lowbrow job secretly has a PhD. I think a like a dissertation on class as represented across Hallmark movies could really be a rich subject area. Honestly, that's one of the most realistic things about these movies. <laughs> is that people with PhDs are working in, in as uh, as tour time. guides and whatnot. Yeah. yeah, tour guides. As we progress um, through this plot, I have a long rant about Megan's career choices and options. Oh, great. Uh, do you want to do that rant now or is there like a primo time? that you want set up for that it, it gets into kind of like the end choice where she has to decide between this other career yeah. that she's being pressured to pursue by her family um yeah. but just like the ways in which like like a man traveling through time is not the least realistic part of this film <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to that plot point Great. I can't wait for that rant. Um, so, so the first, like in Megan, like we cut to the present scene where Megan is like, she's dressed as Rosie. She plays Rosie in this like historical reenactment of the Whitley house or Charles Whitley's house. And she's talking about how Charles Whitley was an inventor. And I just, I want to put this out there what like I feel like inventor was like a thing you could be in like the early 20th century what is the equivalent of an inventor now and then my next thought was that Elon Musk is the equivalent of an inventor now and then it got very dark so I'm curious what you there, two think there are just regular relatively small-scale inventors um, but like what does that mean well they're like engineers who a but... lot of dragon's death or they're yeah, on Arlene Dragon's Dickinson Den. wants a shot at it. I guess that's the big difference now is there's the internet and reality TV to Yeah. Yeah. Like, like would avenue. Charles Whitley have had a Kickstarter? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Even though he's wealthy, he still yeah. would have had a Kickstarter. Um, so we discover, we learn that Megan is the great, great granddaughter of the real Rosie. Of course. The real Rosie. They're related. Uh, she's also the museum director. She's not just a lowly character actor in this museum. She is the director right. and she has a PhD. Um, <laughs> so at this moment, while she's in the midst of giving this tour, Charles Whitley like wakes up in his office uh, in 2020. How, like what a bummer to wake up in 2020. <laughs> Like, can you imagine, like, obviously, like, quarantine, COVID doesn't exist in this movie, which is funny because it's a movie taking place in 2020, right? But it's like, <laughs> like, COVID obviously isn't a thing, but like, that poor sucker, my God. Um, so he, <clears throat> he comes down the stairs and he's like, what are all these people doing in my house? Um, 
you know, and it's it's like sort of a surprise because Megan has just finished saying Charles Whitley disappeared under mysterious circumstances. No one knows what happened to him. And then he appears at the top of the stairs and he says, why are all these people in my house? Um, they almost and, make it seem like it's a bit that they've planned. Exactly. Um, and then the sheriff arrives. I think I blacked out for a minute. My notes are a little, <laughs> my notes yeah, are a little there was scattered. This, like, there was this like miscommunication where someone is like, oh, the agency sent over a new actor, mm. which is like, okay, so this is where my rant comes in of like, obviously no one who's written this show because this town is Cutter Springs. I don't know where they're supposed to be located in the US, but like obviously Eastern. Upstate New York. Yeah, so Eastern, you know, Cutter Springs, small town museum. I have worked at these museums. My uncle runs the one in Botwood, Newfoundland of like this. Nice. And it's like, there is no like talent agency involved. <laughs> like, like best case scenario, you've written a Canada job summer grant and are getting high schoolers to come and wear period <laughs> costumes that are gonna smell like the dankest weed by the end of the summer and are gonna poorly recreate like these characters from this time period. I have lived in, I have been a woman who has lived in Nova Scotia for 35 years. I have done my rite of passage of doing a summer job that involved me dressing in a full skirt and a corset. Nice. We all have to take our turn. Like, like, and just like <laughs> the concept that it's like this small town museum that runs on the smallest slice of the council budget has hired a PhD having museum director who has a co-director that would have been slashed. Yep. Like the last time they had to, I don't know, do anything. The pool needed to be retiled. And yep. like, and then like, on top of this, they have like a talent agency for their actors. <laughs> it's like, no, you don't. And, and you do Dan, not have a talent agency. And Dan and Amber, the two friends who play Fredericks and Eliza, are like, she went to Juilliard. Like, she is like an actor. And he studied Straussburg, whatever the fuck that is. And it's like, like, you don't get that's people. Method acting. That's like the actor, the actor studio stuff. It's like you don't. Oh yeah, <laughs> there was a rant about the actor studio a few episodes ago. Um, obviously, I didn't internalize it. Sorry, Scott. Um, that's okay. I don't like, think we mentioned Strasbourg at the time. That's just one of the names associated with the actor studio. Like you don't get actors of this caliber at the local small town museum. Oh, don't you though? <laughs> Juilliard. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I also I, have a lot of thoughts about Amber and Dan's B-plot relational relationship because they're married and yeah. they go through their own relationship arc in this movie that I have like a lot of feelings about. Great. <laughs> a, a, a great tight 90 because like, like, cause at this point in the movie is when like, cause you were saying like, you kind of blacked out on what happens next, but like, so the director, like the, the other director who like manages these, this reenactment is like, oh, the agency must've sent him over. And once they realize that's not the case and mm -hmm. he's like insisting he's the real Charles Whitley, they right. like call the sheriff, the sheriff takes him down to the station for questioning. And that's when Megan goes down to the station and is like, oh, it was the agency, we'll just take him back. Cause she's starting, she's like believed his story. Yeah. 
right? But because like, he was like, go look, find this floor compartment that mm. no one has discovered, even though it makes a very different sound in 115 years. Yeah. And she noticed the rare and specific scar that was on the back of his hand because she wrote her exactly. dissertation on Charles Whitley. Yeah. Um, and like, but wouldn't LOL. You think, if you were her, wouldn't you think this guy is insane? And, <laughs> but here's and he what, has yes, scarred yes. his hand to yes, look of just course. like Charles, like he's had all kinds of plastic surgery. <laughs> this guy is a he's serial to, killer, is what to, I think. He's going to kill me and wear my face. Yes! As a film watcher, I appreciate a quick to believe, let's move this storyline. Like, I don't yes. want to deal with like 40 minutes where he's convincing her. Like, you are from the past. Got it. What, like, <laughs> on to on. find the clock. I was pretty like, impressed. She that, just believed it. It's really and the like, only complication in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And, and it's addressed in the first like 15 minutes. They're on board. They're like, okay. Yeah. So now you're from do? the past yeah. into it. It's very validating that a woman with a PhD would believe that. <laughs> and it makes me like, as someone who like, je- like it makes me less ashamed of the things I've believed when told <laughs> in my yeah. dating history, where I'm just like, yes, this would sound logical if presented in the right way. <laughs> Thank you, Hallmark. Yeah, I too. Thank you, Megan. Myself an educated woman. Thank you, Megan, an intellectual. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can really oh, not so much about dating dating history, but just in general, I'm like a very, I'm like a bit of a gullible, easily fooled dummy sometimes like I just I believe so many things like if someone tells me something I believe it because I'm not really really into pranks I'm not like I'm not into pranks I'm not into like jokes about like deception so if someone tells me something I kind of just believe them so I can also relate to this feeling (laughs) in a similar way except if men tell me something I basically don't believe anything men tell me anyway um, so That's then right. we, we go to the police station. <laughs> like a guy's like, I'm from the present. And Nicole's like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you, you sort of look like maybe you're from like the 1930s. Yeah, she's like, you're yesterday's news to me, honey. <laughs> <laughs> because apparently she's Bette Midler. <laughs> oh my God. I'm from the present. <laughs> Well, you're no gift, tosses aside. (laughs) Groan. Oh, gift. I just got it. (laughs) I thought you brought me here for my A-class puns. (laughs) This is what I mean, you know? I'm like, I'm kind of a dummy. I, you know... I come off as confident, but I have my moments. Um, so can we go Just to like the Megan? The <laughs> my, next note, the- my next note about she, she finds his hidden papers and yep. just realizes he must be real. And then they go get pizza. <laughs> yes. Like- but I, I need to draw attention to my favorite joke of the movie. Possibly the only joke in the movie. It's barely a joke. And a larger rant about one of my favorite 
like movie device joke devices that comes up a lot in movies so she goes to the police station and she's talking to the sheriff um and trying to convince him like yeah jordan knows what i'm gonna say so she's like no no it was all a misunderstanding it turns out the agency uh you know he was part of the agency and his name is really not charles whitley it's charles and she like looks past the sheriff to like a railing with de decorations on it there's like a christmas garland and he, she, he she's like charles garland <laughs> and my a joke that makes me laugh i would say almost a hundred percent of the time in anything is the like, I need to quickly come up with a fake name for something. And I just pick an object. And, <laughs> yeah. and one His of my favorite- Charles things. Sex Offender. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I was gonna say coffee pot. I see we're, we're, we're you know. Yep. One <laughs> of my it's, favorite- It's certainly a Rorschach test of kind. <laughs> there's there's no limit. There's no um, limit, Jordan. <laughs> so anyway the police station my note is so she just believes that he traveled through time why yes. not just we're just there she's been single for six months nicole that is a fact stated <laughs> that multiple honestly times is the most movie. incredible thing in the movie you know that's more incredible than time travel she can yeah. hear the cobwebs forming in her uterus she, you know, <laughs> time's a waste in time's yeah. a waste in as of um so they yes they go eat pizza and then they go on a walk when they go eat pizza is when the funniest small joke that i believe is in the movie occurs right. where there's like a, I, again loving structurally i really am a fan of this movie where it follows all the tacky cheesy plot points of a hallmark film but does them quite efficiently and yeah. well Briskly. and one of the things i really like that they balance is like charles continuing to be mystified by like tvs and cars and planes and gender norms and restaurants and all of these things and and but they don't like and pizza and pizza and so they order pizza and he's like oh no i'll pay a gentleman always pays <laughs> and then he like picks up the bill and goes 23 dollars <laughs> <laughs> I really Which, related to him in that moment. I was like, $23. It's absurd for 1903, <laughs> but also uh, like a little absurd for the Cutter Springs pizza by Alfredo's. You know, I wish they like... invented a pizza pizza. <laughs> yeah. That like... was my favorite moment. He didn't even look like he was acting. Like he, <laughs> like he was just like he was legitimately like, "What the fuck?" Pure Ryan, pure Ryan. Um. So then, on this walk, uh, fuck, what is his name? Charles. Charles is uh upset about his loss of assets and the fact that, like, when he disappeared all his assets were liquidated and his company was paved over like they walk over the spot where his company his steel mill or something used to be and he's because like he did not have an heir um and then he asks megan what happened to eliza and she's right. like all cagey and she's like oh i don't know <laughs> she wrote her dissertation on him and yeah. clearly knows yeah um so he's going to he's going to live at the museum now in his former bedroom 
Yeah, works out well. Yep. Uh, he found his toiletry kit somewhere yeah. in the museum. It's under glass, right? In, yes. in one of the display cases. <laughs> it's in the display case. Uh, the hundred-year-old toothpaste isn't going to do. <clears throat> so, like, Kenny, we meet Kenny the next morning. Or maybe, no, we met him the day before. But I feel like Kenny really codes as gay in this scene, specifically. Talking about planning this Christmas Eve party. Agreed. That's the manager um, guy? Yes, the co-manager. Yes, the co-director of this non-profit small-town museum. Yeah. Yeah. That, that dude is there in isn't... a ton of these movies. He's, he's in a lot of them. Nelson. He, do you think he also has a PhD? <laughs> Could be. I think he probably a... has a library degree. I think he has an, an MLIS because he talks later <laughs> about the database he made. And I was like, one of my notes is like, oh, I wonder what platform he used to host that database. Um, so Charles agrees to stay in the museum and, uh, is suddenly employed by all of this extra money the museum has to play himself, uh, as a reenactor in, in the museum for the Christmas tours. And there is his first go with this is this hilarious banter between Charles playing Charles and Megan playing Rosie the maid and he's like, she thinks I can't even put my shoes on in the morning. And then immediately after that, like at the end of the workday, Kenny comes in and he's like, we got great reviews for your performance today. And I'm like, where? Oh, you know. <laughs> Who is reviewing the historical reenactors at the small town museum the same day? You know, those multi-edition daily and you get a discount at the gift store. <laughs> Yeah, just one of those those multi-edition daily small town newspapers that covers the theater. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. You you should only subscribe to like a couple of them. You don't need them all. (laughs) Yeah, thank goodness. They're just reporting the same news. Yeah. Yeah, the Cutter Springs Daily and the Cutter Springs Tribute are like really just too similar to waste your money on both. Oh, yeah. Um, So then... Charles and Megan go out on a date. They yeah. like go they go out on another date. They go out for pizza. They go out for more pizza and to see the tree lighting. Of course. Where he reveals two things to her. One, both are red flags to me. <clears throat> I haven't dated a man in a good long while, but if if a man ever told me these things, I would be cutting and running. Why I'm talking to him in the first place, I would never know. A, he's never let himself get close to a woman. And B, he lives for the future. So is the first one because he's scared of disease? <laughs> I mean, or... one of my notes in here, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go off on this rant now. My one main beef that I have with time travel movies is that there, there is no and I had this problem with a night before Christmas or a night for Christmas, whatever, the Netflix one that came out last year about the time-traveling night. Think of all the diseases that A, they would carry with them, and B, they would be susceptible to. So, like, why wouldn't you stay in 2020? Why would you go back to 1903? <laughs> <laughs> well, but, like, what is he going to do? Just 
be incredibly like, handsome get his... in 2020. He's going to be is in he love, gonna... Nicole. He's going to be with the woman he loves. Yes, exactly. He's going to be with his true oh, love. A woman who has studied him to a doctoral level. Isn't that what every man wants? A woman who knows him so well. I mean, I never really that, pondered it before. But that they could write a dissertation on him? Like, isn't that just like a fucking ego trip, though? To, like, fall in love with a woman who knows you so well, they literally have a doctoral degree in you? <laughs> Um, so they go to the jewelry store and she is admiring a snowflake necklace. The most hideous necklace <laughs> I have ever seen committed to film. P I wonder if S. It comes up again because he clocks it. He like clocks that she was like looking at this snowflake necklace. One of them says necklace. the phrase time will tell. This movie is just full of these. Yes. Um, Jordan, you are the funniest comedian in Halifax. I will accept no counter arguments to that. Thank you so much. Um, they are under mistletoe for some reason and they do not kiss because- For some reason, it's a Hallmark card movie. That's the reason. <laughs> yeah, well, they're not allowed to kiss because each Hallmark movie is only allowed two chaste kisses and they save them both for the end. So there's no kissing. Um, the next day they go shopping together and take a selfie. I was confused by the selfie. <laughs> confused how? It just seemed, it just seemed weird. Like, Nicole, going... how many selfies have we taken in hardware stores? <laughs> <laughs> we've taken a selfie together every time we've been in a hardware store together. So I don't know, 25. <laughs> <laughs> so what confuses you about this friendship shopping selfie? <laughs> They're not lesbians in a hardware store. They're going shopping for khakis and he time traveled 24 <laughs> hours ago. That's oh, what's confusing. See, that's just a straight shopping trip. That's why you're confused. <laughs> They're shopping for khakis. They were dungarees, as yeah, Charles said. Yes, yeah. that's right, dungarees. Right, he was right. worried about being seen in dungarees in the downtown <laughs> core. Is he British? Isn't this take place in New York? They all just speak with fancy accents, like no geographical location, just fancy. Fancy. He's a fancy man. Um, okay, so then they run into her parents. Um, I didn't have overbearing relative on my bingo card, which I felt like was a real waste. Um, a quote from her mom, tis the season to butt in. <laughs> wow. It's a bit rough. I don't remember what was the problem with these parents. Like, what didn't they like about her career? Well, they she had this PhD and wasn't working. At they are both or? university professors, and so she was kind of expected to go down this academic route. Sure, sure. But she had to be like a wild rock and roll rebel child and be <laughs> a museum director. Right. Co-director. So co-director. So um. So then her mom says the line, with your PhD, you're a shoo-in for that job at the university. Everyone's waiting to hear from uh, if she got this job at the university. So the, this is my note about the Christmas moon. So the Christmas moon is exactly what it sounds like. It's a full moon on Christmas day. Um, but it's the second full moon of the month. Okay. I think that there's something like very, cause I remember when I wrote it, cause, cause, so, cause at the beginning of the film, it's like a Christmas, like Charles is like, 
it says Christmas moon on this clock. What's a Christmas moon? And my first reaction was like, you're a fucking engineer. Does a Christmas moon sound like, like what's a Christmas carol? It's a song at Christmas. Once, like, like you can figure this out, Charles. Yeah, but then, seriously. like later, when they describe it, it's like, like a, like you know, what's it called when there's two moons in a month, and it's like, that's yeah. not a blue moon. Um. Anyways, it's like a fan, like it's the second moon of the month, and it's around Christmas. Right. I think that's the that's the lore as to why it like happened in 1903 and then right. didn't happen again until he's like in the future now so i feel pretty confident in saying that this year there will not be a christmas moon i'm just gonna oh god um so i'm not really sure what version of 2020 is happening in this no there is no full moon on christmas 2020 so you know what version of 2020 is in this movie? There's no COVID and there's a Christmas moon. What the hell, guys? And pizza's $23? Pizza's $23. In this economy? <laughs> they were sitting in the restaurant. No one was wearing, there was <laughs> nary a mask to be found in this film. <laughs> Fluid exchange all over the place. I think I missed that scene. Yeah, that scene <laughs> was not there. But the slash fiction you're writing about this? <laughs> Oh yeah, we we will absolutely will be accepting fanfic about this uh, film. So, listeners and Jordan, keep that in mind. I feel like this one is really begging for a steampunk fanfic. <laughs> oh yeah, time have, travel and and a clock gear. I have a tentative title, if you like. <gasps> yes, um, yes, I want it, because they actually they actually have the temerity to name check H.G. Wells in this movie. And, and imply that he talked to Wells at one point. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the tentative title, H.G. Wells, The Boner Machine. <laughs> <laughs> you started that description with using the word temerity, and you ended it with boner. And that's just... <laughs> Uh, well done, well done, sir. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very proud. You should be well done. Uh. Um, so then we get to this scene in the study where they're looking for the Christmas clock. So I, I think the reason that the my Christmas moon interjection occurs here is because, um, Charles has this revelation that the Christmas clock was maybe responsible for his time travel. Uh, and since there's a Christmas moon this year in this fictional 2020 world where people can just eat pizza together in public, he's like, we have to find the Christmas clock. So they're looking for the Christmas clock in the study and there's a romantic scene where she stumbles on the stepladder and he catches her. Oh, is there, I missed that. Oh. You should go back oh, and watch God, it. That's a classic. It's every that should be on the bingo cards, really. It should be. It's every straight oh, woman's yeah. dream. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I have a couple of notes about that clock scene, though, because you know how I feel about props. Always on the lookout I for do. props. Very nice prop, this, I thought. Yeah. But I love how in the story, where they basically find the clock at the end is in the props department for the museum. <laughs> 
it's true. It's true. That, that happened. I was like, Mwah. nice going. <laughs> um, and the That's other, funny. the other note that I had about that was, um, oh, I've lost it. Never mind. I didn't have another note. I'm glad that you had something to say about the uh, the clock as a problem, though, because I now pay closer attention oh, to props. Sorry, like I do remember what I I do remember the other thing, it, it, and it was about magic. Because as you know, I don't ordinarily care for magic in these movies. Yes, but I don't see how else we can explain this clock. H.G. Wells was not. Like the time machine is a big thing that you had to sit in and was mechanical and theoretically warped space and time to send you into the future. I don't see how this little clock is doing that, right? Right. So I think we're supposed to buy that it's essentially magic, hence the connection with the moon somehow. Like, yes, the moon is a powerful I, witch, yes. It basically, yeah. <laughs> the moon so it's like, a, it's like a magical object, almost like the advent calendar from our first movie, or, or like maybe it's a cursed object, who knows? Yeah. But... Um, this was one of the few times where I actually didn't mind that at all. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I was like, okay, we've got this MacGuffin device. It does this. If you do this under certain conditions, fine, whatever. Right. If Megan, who has a PhD, can accept this, who am I? <laughs> yeah, who are we? <laughs> who am I to question my poor choices when it works out so well for this woman? Exactly. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I like that the magic like i hadn't thought about it this way but the magical element in this movie is very circumstantial like it's not a magical clock all of the time it can only be magical during the christmas moon um yeah i like that um so this is where we meet kenny and his database of items that he's cataloged this is what makes me think mm. that uh, he has some sort of advanced degree because he's cataloged, like he's like archived everything <clears throat> in this house and put it in a searchable database. Um, and then Megan gets mad at Charles because Charles wants to return to his life in the past, which I was a little bit like, Megan, what are you doing? <laughs> What are you doing? I mean, I think we're supposed to believe that Charles, like his parents died when he was really young. He has a Batman origin story. Oh, because his parents are dead. He has an exact Batman origin story. His wealthy parents die and he inherits and builds an enterprise. Right. And becomes kind of like work obsessed in the process right. without a connection to uh, uh, close personal lives. If only he did literally anything literally full or that, for the greater good in this movie. <laughs> Well, the note that I wrote about that was he had a Batman origin story and did the most boring thing with it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the only like neat like gimmick his house had was a floorboard that lifted up where he could put his diary. Yep. The most interesting thing that happens to him in his life is that he time travels, which he does inadvertently by accident without meaning to. <laughs> one time, so, one time. <laughs> a singular time i so they're making a test run for the christmas party they're in the kitchen and megan is like try this gravy it should taste familiar you had it every year at your christmas party and he was like woe was me i never went to my own christmas party i have no friends 
Um, and then what is it? It, it is the Christmas party proper where we talk about or his, her parents are there? No, it's like her parents are having like, are you talking about like the Eliza reveal? Yes, maybe. Yes, yes. It's yeah. at her parents' house? Yeah, because her parents are having their like annual family Christmas party. So it's like her yeah. parents, her like most stereotypical bro douchebag which is what her brother Nathan is in this film uh-huh. and they do this like game of trying to get an ornament on the top of this tall tree and Charles succeeds and his mother is like mm, yes eyes to my daughter um and then they're inside and Megan's father is like let's show a slideshow of photos from Christmases over the years. And so they're showing like embarrassing but cute photos of Megan and Charles is charmed. And then because she's Rosie's great, great granddaughter, there's like a picture of Rosie. And Charles is like, because like that was like his best friend because they had very bad professional boundaries. And then then they were like and he was like oh like what happened to Rose like oh like like feigning curiosity and that's when they're like oh like when Eliza went on to marry Harold she kind of like went and like 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 served that house for however you know long and that's when Charles learns that his like who, like his fiance married his rival shortly, not shortly after, well, he thought shortly after his disappearance, but Megan clarifies that she like waited and searched for him. Of and course. After doing those things, yeah. because we have to, we can only like her and we can't like her if we conceived that perhaps she moved on after her fiance disappears. Um, uh so yeah so that's how he learns and he's like oh I have to go for a walk and then he like talks to a very nice person decorating a tree and and has like and then like this he's like I have to go for a walk the next scene is him talking to a stranger and the stranger <laughs> is just like yeah that sounds like something you should get over and he does and then like goes back to Megan and is like I'm sorry I kind of freaked out. And she's like, I'm sorry I omitted this important piece of information. And then they're like, let's go find that clock. <laughs> End of conflict. Just the best two and a half minutes of cinematic, it was like cinematic plot forwarding. Like it was just mwah, chef's kiss perfection. I love that. The only thing that would have been better is if the one who gives them the advice was like the little gremlin man from the Christmas (laughs) Prince movies. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh my God. Um, So before those two and a half minutes of cinnamon cinematography cinnamon buns, yes. Cinnamon buns happens. So Charles shows up to her parents' house with a bottle of wine from 1899. Mm. Now, which was so good. Oh, so I think to add insult to injury, though, about Eliza marrying Harold, uh, Charles finds out that Harold used his design for a mill. But I'm not really sure how, because his diary and blueprints were locked in the secret compartment. 
I also don't understand the mechanics of that, but I know that at the auction at the very beginning of this film, there was kind of some like, I kind of have an idea of what you're working on. Well, you better not steal it. So I think there was like something in the works there. Okay. Um, yeah, they implied this great rivalry that you never really see. Yeah. It, it's like, it's, it starts out as if it's like Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty having a little <laughs> argument but then Sherlock Holmes gets thrown a hundred years into the future. So it never really resolves itself. Moriarty's just like, well, I guess I'll just go fuck your girlfriend. <laughs> guess I win. Yeah. Um, so shortly after that, we find out, I think that this is the point where Dan and Charles have a heart to heart in the diner. Mm. Dan, the uh, Straussburg trained actor, uh, married to Amber, the Juilliard wife. Um, the Juilliard wife. The Juilliard wife. That's the <laughs> Hallmark movie I'm excited for next year. Hallmark movie say. coming your way 2021. <laughs> um, and then the next scene is Megan's like follow-up meeting interview with the university where she finds the Hallmark movie proc department in the lobby of the university and beholds the Christmas clock. With the help of the best character in this film, the doesn't have time for it smoky voiced receptionist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that clock, it's been here for ages. You want it or something? <laughs> like she's just like, like, and like, it's just classic admin assistant where she's just like, I've done a dissertation on a man that has a connection to this clock. Do you know when it was donated and by who? And the, and this receptionist is like, I don't know. We get donations, lady. <laughs> like, I wind it every day and it never tells me the time. She's yeah. Ethel Beavers from Parks and Rec, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I loved her. <laughs> Great. I love that. Do you think her name was Tammy? Oh, a hundred percent. Her name was Tammy. I love it, Tammy. Charles yeah. is doing a practice apology in the mirror at the museum. And then the party is happening. There's a list of vaccines. Yeah. Do either of you have notes? Because I'm skipping to the very end, basically. My last one basically is, does this feel, does this movie feel to you guys at all like it's the pilot for a series? <laughs> oh... That's like funny. either a weekly TV series where they solve crimes and travel through time or <laughs> just maybe Christmas like a, crimes. Yeah, yeah. The only note I have about that party scene is like it's at this very fancy mansion Christmas party. So there's like a big like live band and like Megan gets up and like says something to the group. And then at one point Charles gets up um, and, it, you know, it's this climactic kind of infused with romance kind of speech that only is really speaking to Megan yeah. um but when he gets up to the mic he does that thing that everybody does when they get up to a mic and does like the small little like yes. adjustment he adjusts on the, the mic, mic stand and I have in all caps how does he know how to adjust a mic yes. stand <laughs> yes. like I have been speaking into mics for four years more than four years and like I'm always like is this how do you do this one and like it like but he's just like da 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 wedding singer and it's like I had it as uh, you got to give this movie credit you can't fully go into like 
there's a scene where Megan's like the bathroom's down the hall and like you expect him to understand 21st century plumbing like yeah. <laughs> like you just expect him to look at a toilet and a shower and immediately know what to do with those things he's looking for the hook in the ceiling to pull <laughs> yeah like I don't even know if a house would have had that like or if it'd be on like an outhouse system in 1903 yeah. I don't know he was wealthy, like, so he probably had indoor plumbing but yeah it was it yeah, certainly I'm, wasn't I'm, standard I'm willing to do the suspension of disbelief to move this story along. Yeah. But that mic stand adjust pulled me out of it. Yeah. Really took me out of it. Yeah. <laughs> you were like, get out of here. Ryan PV has done karaoke. He just showed his cards. <laughs> you fucking asshole. That was pure Ryan. He was not Charles. <laughs> the sod yeah. broke on that one. He was he thinking about the personal thoughts. appearance he was going to make at the mall later that day. Oh my god. <laughs> he was thinking of his jewelry Etsy store. <laughs> <laughs> or if he should do a Depop instead. I'm, I'm looking for Christmas gifts at that Etsy store, I'm going to tell you right now. Oh my god, amazing. Um, so, like, he, I think in this speech he basically decides to stay, or he, like, he makes this speech and then he sort of like disappears like you said earlier scott and megan's like oh you said you would say goodbye before you left and there's like sort of a reveal where he hasn't left and then he like breaks the clock like i wrote down he cuts the cord on the clock oh yeah that's right so i have so here's my thing about this ready so at the beginning of the movie when he buys the clock for Eliza and he's like tinkering with it in order to give it to her, he like is talking to Rosie and she's like, what's this? And he's like, it's a clock I bought for Eliza, but I need to fix it first. Somebody cut the springs. And so he fixes it and then it works. And while he's winding, he travels through time. And then the big reveal at the end of the movie, if it's safe to say this now, is that Megan thinks he went back in time, but then she finds him and he's like, no, I didn't go back. It would be too unfair to Eliza. She had this wonderful life with Harold. And like, if I went back, Cause like they, they didn't really have a love marriage situation going on. Yeah. He's like, if I went back, we would have married and she wouldn't have been as happy as if she was with Harold. So I'm staying here also for you. Um, and he cuts the springs on the clock oh. so that it like doesn't operate. And the name of the town is Cutter Springs. <laughs> I well would never have made that connection. Me either. Completely missed that. That's amazing. Oh my god. Now, okay. Now I have an important Cutter question. Springs. Hardly know her. Yes. Whoa. Nice one. <laughs> you know, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, so you, you win the trophy for this podcast. Whatever, whatever, that, whatever <laughs> that trophy is. Points are meaningless. <laughs> yeah, the points mean nothing. Scott, stop making promises we can't loan up to. <laughs> trophy, trophy, trophy. Oh, you think I'm not um, going to get a trophy now? I mean, I know you're going to get a trophy. Uh, so, I'm getting a trophy. <laughs> so the Cutter, Spr- Cutter Springs, you just Cutter Springs. That Cutter is, Springs. Oh that is incredible. That's so amazing. do we think, I feel like this if we just suspend disbelief and just be like, it's about time travel, so it's possible. Is the clock that he bought at the auction in 1903, the like, I know it's the same 
spring clock in 2020, but the spring that was cut in 2020 somehow is the, the clock, like the spring was cut in 2020 and then it's cut in 1903. And then it's just like this endless cycle of spring cutting and it's the same I did wonder the that. same cut spring. I did wonder that, but I, I think it's also possible that we're supposed to think that the previous owner cut the spring for much the same reason. Yeah, probably. We'll have to find I would, out in the I sequel. Would, I would be more inclined. That's the that's the the version in my head is that like the previous owner found their true love mm. and was like, I'm staying here. Wow. In this modern 1903. <laughs> it's not, not going to get any better than this. <laughs> um, I'm really curious about the logistics of happily ever after. Like, is he going to continue to live at the museum? Yes, so. Like while they date? <laughs> so here is the logistics of Happily Ever After that I have a problem with. So it's been established in this movie that like he tries to pay for this pizza this time and she's like, oh, you actually have no money. You actually lost everything you could have ever possibly, like even in the world where you like renew yourself as Charles Whitley V yep. and come forward as like the sole surviving heir to the Whitley fortune, there's no fortune to give you. Yeah, And so like she has now like, in this relationship with a guy who has no social insurance number, no applicable skills to 2020, no like ability to generate an income whatsoever. There's and she turns down the possible tenure track position that she's offered at the university in order to stay a co-museum director at a small town nonprofit museum where if she misses one grant deadline, her <laughs> salary is axed. I feel like a great sequel to this movie would be that they like they have a life together and then for some reason he needs to go back in time to like retrieve something or fix something and then they go together. Mm. Mm -hmm. Good thing she has all her shots. Time to get that fan fiction going. <laughs> Um, so the very last note I have is that Dan and Amber fulfill their destinies of becoming Shakespeare actors. The sideline story of Amber and Dan, the true love story, the realistic love story present in this film is like settling for your underwhelming job and husband. <laughs> <laughs> And like literally in like, cause I always picture like who these movies are like stereotypically targeted audience for as like yeah. kind of love lorn, but still optimistic single straight women of like mm -hmm. a certain age. And like thinking about giving them this like impossibly romantic I will travel through time and stay in a new world for you my love but yeah. then this utterly realistic <laughs> of like 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 Dan's grand romantic like Charles's grand romantic gesture to Megan is breaking a clock and staying in the future penniless with everyone he knows having like dead yep. in order to stay with his true love. Yep. And Dan's grand romantic gesture to Amber is saying sorry for belittling her career during an argument. Yep. And like, I, I can't think of a sadder yet more appropriate 
like example of straight culture or like (laughs) (laughs) or like indicative of like the functioning of hallmark movies of just like dream about this while you're living through this (laughs) (laughs) to to have characters in a hallmark movie who are unhappy actors (laughs) (laughs) it's a bit on the nose Okay, well, those are all of my notes for A Timeless Christmas. Um, any Anyone else have notes? So far, this episode is longer than the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I shared my Cutter Springs reveal. That's pretty much what I had. Yeah, oh, my God. That Cutter Springs reveal blew my mind, JJ. No joke. That's amazing. So, okay, I didn't... So, like, to me, Kenny was clearly gay. Um I did not read any other queerness in this movie whatsoever. No, can, not really. can any of us imagine potential where that could have happened? Like who could have been gay? Well, How I can could imagine this... a lot of things. But the admin assistant at the university who had no time for like Megan's clock wanting antics. I uh-huh. wish that could have been Billy Eichner. Yes. That would have been amazing. The Parks and Rec guy who comes in and explaining who Billy Eichner is to Nicole, the guy on Parks and Rec when all of the staff come from the snooty town um, and there's like Tiffany with a bunch of eyes. Um, Billy Eichner is the guy that gets paired with Donna and is like super enthusiastic. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, and Craig. that's like, yes, he's it's Craig. And right. that's kind of who he is as a person, like, or like at least as a celebrity personality in yeah. like many other things he does. You, okay. you want a clock, his... you want a clock, you want a clock. <laughs> you gotta check out his YouTube show, Billy on the Street, where he takes yeah, celebrities. Like I mean, he probably can't do that now thanks to COVID, but it, it was very funny. Okay. So are we imagining that Craig from Parks and Rec and Kenny are a good pairing? I like that. I like that that casting and coupling. Yes. I would watch yeah. that. Yeah. I'd watch yeah. the hell out of that. Okay. Yeah. Great. I think we just wrote a better movie than Timeless Christmas. Ooh. You know what? <laughs> I, I really enjoyed this movie. It was yeah. it was so low effort. Like yeah. between, between this one and the Dolly Parton movie, it was just basically several solid hours of entertainment with nothing really to think about or worry about it was just like very pleasant beautiful people everywhere you're like oh this is so nice (laughs) just a wash in the glow of heteronormativity (laughs) there is that yeah um yeah there was this was also i think an example of a Christmas movie where there is no real conflict. Like Jordan, no. you pointed out, there was 90 seconds of conflict. If that. Loved if, it. If that, yeah. And then it's like neat and tidy. The external forces were really the like sources of tension in this movie and they were like pretty low key. Yeah. 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 You know, even, I'm... They didn't even make a big deal about like when he first gets to the future and he steps outside the, for the first time and sees like cars and a plane. Like he didn't shit his pants. He got over it really quick. Yeah, he adjusted he... very quickly. Yeah. I mean, he did know H.G. Wells, I guess. So he's 
I was expecting this. Okay. Oh, if you're also talking, asking Nicole about like who are like queer or queer ID'd characters in this film, I would also add the moon. Of moon course. Itself. Thank you so much. <laughs> the moon is a lesbian. Yeah. I think we all know that. That actually explains <laughs> a lot. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Great job, everyone. We did it. <laughs> Jordan, thank you so much for being on this podcast. A true joy. A true joy. Thank you for the invitation. I forgot to uh, give you a heads up about this, but if you like, would you like to tell people where they can find you on the internet? I usually do quite the opposite. Um, uh, You can find me at Jordan Roberts Comedy on Instagram. Um, it has not been updates updated since pre-shutdown because <laughs> I only post when I'm doing shows there. But if you'd yeah. like to see where I have performed. <laughs> An archive past, of past performances. <laughs> if you would like to see a comedy Instagram that has no jokes or funny material. <laughs> However, a very dated series of local open mics. <laughs> that sounds so great. None of the content from them, just awareness that they happened. Um, uh, usually accompanied with a photo of that bar <laughs> or whatever they put on their Instagram that day. Um, and Jordan, are you, sometimes, a, are you a social media influencer? I am, yes. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Uh, I hope Lambs sponsors me. <laughs> yeah. Well, Scott, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, they can go to my website at heyscottmarshall.com and uh, that'll point them wherever I need them to go. Perfect. As usual, I am nowhere to be found on the internet, but you should follow this podcast on social media because I am learning how to make Instagram stories just for this podcast. And may I say, I have approximately figured it out. You're very good at it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Um, Okay, well, thanks everyone for listening. And, uh, you know, we'll be in your ears tomorrow with another another holiday hit another holiday favorite probably doesn't include time travel <laughs> probably not. Uh, okay we Thank love you. you you've been listening to season one episode 16 of a podcast in a queer tree by nicole marcou and scott marshall with special guest jordan roberts visit a podcast in a for this episode's links plus our social media and a link to our patreon Don't forget to play bingo along with us when you're watching holiday movies. You can find the cards at hallmarkmoviebingo.com. Our theme music is by an excellent dancer and another excellent dancer. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us again tomorrow, but whatever you do, we love you. Happy holidays.